This is CTM the Podcast, or Conversations That Matter, which is an online program from the McKinney Center, a community arts center that operates under the town of Jonesboro in Jonesboro, Tennessee. We are partially sponsored by the Hope in Action Grant from the East Tennessee Foundation. The McKinney Center is located in the Booker T. Washington School, which was the black grade school from 1940 until integration. We record in the Gillespie Building in Jonesboro, Tennessee, which is named for Elmer Gillespie, an alumnus of Booker T. Washington School. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. This program helps us learn about people in our community and hopefully humanizes one another. I'm Sky McFarlane. And I'm Michelle Trees. And I'm Brittany Butler. And we're looking back today on... Um, our episode from October um, of this year, and that was Michelle Treese filled in because we had a scheduled guest who didn't feel well and spoke with Bob Browning, and Brittany wasn't there with us either, so we were kind of just rolling with yeah. it. Um, and we don't even have bios. Um, I, both of you introduced yourselves in the beginning of mm-hmm. it, um, and um, as a lot of you are probably familiar with Michelle. Um, and then Bob was the town administrator for the town of Jonesboro for a very long time. And then he retired, but he is still working for the town of Jonesboro. <laughs> he can't give it up. Um, and he's like a special projects person. He's working on a few specific projects. So um, what did y'all think? Did you... Uh, you experienced it. You <laughs> to it so. No, I just, yeah, just listening to the background of that kind of position and his role and how incorporated he is into Jonesboro. That's really, that's really neat. Yeah, this is one where I was in Puerto Rico, I think. Yeah. 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 Warmer, better places. Exactly. I didn't go anywhere, but it was so fun to be away. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing about um like how the McKinney Center came to be mm. and Bob knows mm-hmm. that story better than most people that I interact with so I love hearing that story and then um I know you both knew of each other but had never really right. had a conversation so I thought that was really cool I had I had heard of Bob uh basically through McKinney Center and his support for for McKinney Center but that was the first time I had a conversation with him and uh it was really cool to hear his story um you know, he was not, he's not from Jonesboro area. I wasn't, I'm not from here either. And, and for him to move into this space and then really settle in and, and make it his home was a, a pretty cool thing. Um, you know, again, one of the great things about this show is that we find these connections with people that we never knew we had. And when Bob was talking about his love of black culture and black music, that was amazing. He yeah. mentioned uh, the Chitlin Circuit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right there, I fell in love with Bob because not too many people know about the Chitlin Circuit. Yeah. And for those of you out there that do not know that, this was uh, um, back in the 50s and 60s, I guess. Uh, all along, I think, the eastern part of the United States, uh, there were very select places that black groups could perform. Mm -hmm. They could travel in and know that they had a place to stay and sleep and all that kind of good stuff. But those, those uh, specific places were called the Chitlin circuit. And that's kind of like today we have bands that go through college campuses and they have a tour across certain places. And it's similar to that, but it was with black black groups. And uh, Bob 
when he said chitlin circuit, I thought, <laughs> oh my God. This man. So I, I loved that. I loved his passion. He, uh, uh, if you, if you could see the, 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 uh, actual video, the, the Zoom, uh, website, he cries. He yeah. will tear up and I'm emotional too. So that was a, a wonderful <laughs> thing to see this guy. Uh, let his passion flow down his cheeks, as I say. <laughs> it was great. Well, and there was a lot of discussion about the arts and how that mm-hmm. can bridge a lot for people. And, you know, that's the whole idea behind the McKinney Center is yeah. like, okay, this used to be a school. It used to be a segregated school. It used to be the black school. And <clears throat> that history shouldn't be forgotten. That's mm-hmm. very important. Um, but it is kind of a cool twist that today it's an art center that is an education place but it's like everybody come here everyone is welcome here um and you know Brittany your daughters are about Mm -hmm. to be in the community I was just gonna say yeah and you will not see a better micro community exactly um and so Bob talks a lot about the community plays and you know he was so affected by those um and, you know, it makes you love Jonesboro. Yeah. Like, yes, Jonesboro needs to work on a lot, but it does give you, like, pride of your community. So. Yeah. I agree. I think McKinney Center, I've said it a thousand times. Uh, <laughs> this this McKinney Center, to me, is the hub of uh, multicultural experiences and events in, in Washington County and, and mm-hmm. even beyond, I think. I believe that. I truly do. I think Bob has a lot to do with that. So it's cool to have that conversation yes. with him. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I mean, he told me when I got my full-time job that I better focus on diversity. So. Well, I know you're making him proud. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> He's a proud man. Yeah, you like, better. Yeah. You did. It's like your dad buying you a car. Yeah. It's like a stipulation. <laughs> <laughs> Get you a car, but you better get yeah. that full time job. Yeah. You better like, take okay, me yes, where sir. I need to go. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's awesome. But that's, you know, that's, um, if that's the mission of the place, mm-hmm. make sure you hire the right people to be there who care about that yeah. stuff. So, right. I think we do. I'm speaking for myself. But, um, anyways, cool. not to just dote on a McKinney Center. Um, the conversation is great. Um, Y'all enjoy and get some Jonesboro history here. So, yes. Okay. So, uh, this evening we are coming to you from the um, Elmer Gillespie Building in Jonesboro, which is named for Elmer Gillespie, who was an alumni of the Booker T. Washington School, um, which is what the McKinney Center is today or was, it's the McKinney Center today. And um, Elmer was uh, really key in helping with the food pantry. So that's where that is today, but we get to share this building with them. And this evening we have Bob Browning, who so many of you know, um, not just because he was town administrator for a very long time, but it's just been part of the Jonesboro community for such a long time. And we have Michelle Trees, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. So let me switch the camera around here.
And Michelle, why don't we start with you? Tell us who you are. You're over here behind the camera <laughs> this way, but introduce yourself. Okay, so I'm Michelle Treese. Um, uh, gosh, it's kind of interesting to be on this side of the camera. I am a retired teacher. I'm uh, on John City School Board. I've got about two more weeks to go to be, uh, and then I'll be off that board. Uh, I work part-time with ETSU, supervising student teachers with uh, Clemmer College, and I'm in several other community uh, groups in Johnson City and, and Washington County, uh, and I love uh, being productive in my, my time off as a retired, retired teacher. Yeah. And Bob, what about you? Um, <clears throat> I'm Bob Browning, and, and I am... Um, technically retired as, as town administrator. I'm definitely not town administrator anymore, but I, I still work part-time for the town of Jonesboro. I have um, responsibility for the new Jonesboro school project. I'm the project manager on that. The, the uh, renovation of the Jackson Theater um, and the buildings associated with that, as well as uh, the completion of Lincoln Park, which is behind the, the, the senior center. So. Um, I'm technically only supposed to, uh, as a retired person, only supposed to work 18 hours a, a week, but I typically um, come close to doubling that just to keep me off the street. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's good. Well, I need to hang with Bob and stay off the street too. <laughs> well, um, you both are so uh, integrated into our communities here, but um, I'd like to know a little bit about your past, um, and maybe Michelle, you can start, uh, you could tell us, do you remember the first time you met someone who was of a different race than you? You know, I don't know if I've ever answered, I've asked that question a thousand times, but I think this is the first time I've ever answered it. Um, this is how I am looking at my life. As a little kid, I know that as a little kid, I attended a kindergarten that was an all black kindergarten. Uh, the The teacher was black. Miss Clark, I see you right now in my my eyes. Uh, and all the students in that class were black students. And so, and this is I grew up in Morristown, Tennessee, about an hour away. Um, but I do remember going into the first grade. And my, I was born in 1960 and 1965. I started, I do believe the first grade, 66, which was right at that time of integration. But I'll tell you, I have no memory of any issues, any problems. I don't know what the state of integration was like in Morristown. And I really probably need to go back and look at some newspapers and just see what the, what the, the temperature was. But I do remember going into the first grade at Hillcrest Elementary School, having a white teacher, white students. Uh, I do not recall a lot of other black students in my class. I don't recall like even like black friends, but I do remember having white friends in class. Uh, I was a class clown and I remember <laughs> I, I see myself now doing something with a pencil eraser stuck up my nose or something crazy. <laughs> that was totally by accident. But but I remember uh, that. Um, and I remember one time my mom picked me up from school and she's, you know, at that age, you have to go in and get your children and, or wait outside or something. But we were walking back to our car and, and she tells me that there was a little white girl and her mom and the little white girl 
whispered to the mom, hey, mom, that little girl is dirty. And her mom said, you know, very nervous. My mom said her mom was really, really super nervous. And she said, no, she's not. She's just black. So, and maybe she said colored. I don't know. But my mom, my mom remind, reminded me of that story, you know, as, as I got older. But that had to be the first time I realized black and whiteness. You know, uh, I knew walking in that class that they were all white kids, but, but I don't recall having any issues about that, you know, coming home saying, I don't want to go back to that school. There's nobody that looks like me. I don't remember anything at all about that. What about as you got older in school? I, again, I guess it's just being in, uh, being a minority in a white community that I, I went to second grade at that same school. Miss Peoples, I had Miss Connors, Miss Peoples, and then I transferred schools. I moved into my my parents got a divorce, and my mom and and my siblings we moved into the projects in Morristown, and there we lived with a mix of black and white folks just in that area. Um, never again. I mean, I never had anything, and that's third grade, fourth grade. I do remember probably in high school. I remember a situation where one of my really good friends, we, we played volleyball together. And so we waited together for our rides after school. This is probably the first time there was a problem with me being black. But um, we will wait for our rides after practice. And I noticed that she would always say, hey, here comes my, my ride. And she would get up and she would walk away and go over to, you know, distance away and get in the car when her dad pulled up. My mom would pull up and I'm like, hey, there's my mom. See you later. And I would just go get in the car. But this day she missed catching her dad drive down the road and pick up. And so he, we were sitting there. She's white. I'm black. And he pulled up right there and she had to get up and go get in the car. So he saw the two of us sitting together. And then the next day she came to school and, you know, after school, we're, we're getting ready for changing her clothes, getting ready for volleyball practice. And she said, um, look what happened to me yesterday. And, and she had a, a, like a, like a bruise on her, her back. And I'm like, what happened? And she said, my dad saw us sitting together. I can't sit with you anymore. And so obviously incredibly racist man. And, you know, you'll never sit with that person again. And, and that's the first time that I've ever realized, oh my gosh. And, and I realized at that point too, that she saw her dad coming before I did, and she would get up and move before he saw us mm. sitting together. So, wow. Yeah, that was high school. That was high school. You know, I ran track and played basketball in fifth grade and, you know, hung out with kids, but I never had any incident of, you know, black, white, this is a problem that I, that I heard, except for those, those two incidents. Yeah. Do you remember the same kind of realization moment or? Well, you know, and just thinking about it, I grew up in Arlington, Virginia and in an area where um, they had just built a new high school. Um, My older sister and brother went to Washington Lee high school, which uh, was in an area that that integrated um, fairly early, like in early, at least early 1960, uh, or maybe a little bit before that. But the school I went to, uh, there was only a sophomore and a junior class to start out with, and there weren't any. Um, you know, the the whole area has changed now, but there at that time there weren't any black students in the in the school. 
And, um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't remember any in the elementary school. I was just in an area that was, you know, all white. And, you know, my friends were all white and I don't remember anybody living. It wasn't like, I think kids that were in that neighborhood went somewhere else. I don't think there was just anybody living there that I can remember anyway. And I delivered papers in the neighborhood and stuff like that. Um, so it was, you know, after that, when I went to, to, to school, um, in Nashville, you know, and, um, you know, when you're in college, it was, you know, it's just never an issue. And I, I never grew up with, with any kind of, with any friends that, you know, that were, you know, you might, that made racist comments or something like that. It was just kind of a non-issue. And I thought, you know, well, that's kind of strange, you know, that I went that long, but, um, in, in school there, uh, which it was Peabody college for teachers, which was across the street from Vanderbilt and it's, it's now part of Vanderbilt. And so I get all these emails from Bandy alumnus and stuff, but, but, um, you know, there were international students and all that. And it was just, it was just never, never an issue. Um, there were times I can can remember back. There were times, the only time I that I felt like that um, there was a kind of a racial issue for me was that was that I grew up um, I grew up a an R and B fan. I was a major James Brown fan, and um, and the black groups, you know, that they, you know, I had every record in Ray Charles and those people and but when James Brown would come <clears throat> into the Washington area uh he would play at the the Howard Theater you know it wasn't at a at a it was like the Apollo in in New York and I always wanted to go um you know I thought well you know at nighttime you know the Howard's not in a really great place and you know I don't you know you're not supposed to be in there after dark and this kind of thing and it and it always bothered me that I didn't have the guts to go, you know, because, you know, I, um, and I learned later on when I was in school in Nashville, James Brown came through uh, on the Chitlin circuit and, <laughs> and, and, and played it. does the Chitlin circuit. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and and uh, he, he played at the Nashville Fairgrounds, which, you know, was a covered area, but it had no air conditioning or anything like that. And I said, I don't care. And it was in mid sixties. This is maybe 65 or six or something like that. And I said, I don't care. Uh, you know, I'm going to see James Brown. And, and uh, so I bought myself a, a ticket and uh, went to the fairgrounds. And I think I counted three other white guys in the audience, but I learned, I learned a lesson that, that, uh, music in particular is a is a uniting force because I had the best I had the best time and uh, you know and everybody you know there wasn't anything you know that nobody everybody was just dancing and carrying on and singing the songs and James Brown was that was in his prime and he was an awesome entertainer and uh, I, I you know and I. It, it made me realize that that you know there are things that do bring people together, 
and um, and music and and I think you know part of the arts are so important you know sports do but the arts really have a connection that I think bring people closer together and uh, and that's you know you and that's one of the things that happen with with uh, integration in, in general is that you know a lot of these kids you know got together because they love the music yeah. you know they love the entertainers and it didn't yeah. matter whether you're black white or whatever whether you were whether you're the performer or whether you're the you know the listener and uh that's um you know that had it had an impact on me not not only because i had a great had a great time <laughs> but it was you know it just let me understand a little bit more about the the culture of of, of what can that the ability to bring people together. And I think that we've tried later on, I think that's been a, um, you know, as part of the inspiration of doing a lot of the things that we've tried to do in Jonesboro to, to do, as a means of trying to bring people together. Right. The McKinney yeah. Center is a perfect example. Of that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that you're so right. When, when you said that, it made me think uh, music, sports, and, and sports, tends to be a little bit on the edge here but but music sports enjoying culture are are those areas where it doesn't matter who you are what you look like your color any of that there isn't there is a a place where that can be enjoyed and appreciated by all period right it doesn't matter period i think and one of the things since being in jonesboro um that i learned you know a, a lot from jimmy neil smith is that is a story the use of story um, is also um, um, a, a really important way of bringing people together. Because when you, in, in terms of relationship building and community building, when people know each other's story, um, and what what a better way to validate somebody's life, um, you know, by, by telling their story. And uh, when we did the first community play I am home and before that you know we went out and collected stories uh, and purposely from the black community and and tried to with the his, Hispanic community um, which was more difficult but um, you know listening to those stories we had we had some story circles and stuff you know with with people like uh, Montreal Brown and James um, Scott Chucky Pace and, and people like that and you know and they told stories about their their relationship with with Booker T Washington School and and you know which was important but just in general and and they went through integration during that time mm-hmm. time period and uh, it was really interesting and I'll just make one comment about that if you don't mind is it is that you know if, if somebody that didn't see that play and, and Alfred Greenlee's story that was, um, you know, that was a part of that, which is another, <laughs> another one for me that, um, you know, I was, I was in the cast, you know, as town administrator, I, you know, I, I just wanted to be part of it. And, and, uh, and Alfred's story about um, him taking his son, integrating actually the school's, the school system two years before it officially integrated was a wonderful story. And um, 
I can remember Gary Gerhardt and I would we would you know be at all the practices and we would stand up in the McKinney Center didn't have any insulation or anything during that time period it was just a shell of a building that we had had built this set in and all this kind of stuff but uh, um, we we teared up every practice everyone and it's amazing Alfred was an amazing person. I, I didn't know anything about that story until I guess it was maybe one of the first times I was involved with McKinney Center. And, you know, uh, um, I can't remember the name of his name. Who does the reenactment? Paul Braxton. Paul Braxton yeah. did right. that. And I just thought, this is right here in this town. Yeah. And I I uh, have been working with this guy in Johnson City who who says that Jonesboro has, I think I'm not mistaken, I hope I'm not, has four Buffalo soldiers. I don't know about that. I, yeah, I he's found Alfred, the paperwork on that. I know that. Alfred Ray was one of them. But, uh, and, the, and I think wherever that, and I hope I'm not mixing these names, but there, there's a grave there that uh, I think it's Alfred's. And the second soldier is buried right below where he is. Mm-hmm. And then there are two others that I guess mm-hmm. at some point we'll figure out where they are. But it's amazing the history that's here in this town. It is. It really is unbelievable. And uh, and people like Ernest McKinney Sr. and and Kevin, his son, who was mayor for nine years. You know, I, I don't know if people actually think about this, but um, Ernest Sr., uh, I started working for the town in January of 1978, and they had an election in April. And Jimmy Neal Smith was elected mayor and, and Ernest McKinney who had been on the board previously for two years, but he was elected in 1978. And we've had an African-American on our board of mayor and alderman for uh, when, when Adam Dixon finishes his term next year, it'll be 46 years in a row. That's amazing. I mean, that's pretty amazing. You know, three and a half, three and a half percent, the, you know, the, the population percentage. And, and I just think, I just think um, people in Jonesboro are special. Yeah, I was going to say, why do you think that is? Like, how just, is that they, legacy? I just, on? I think they just understand the importance of, of diversity and 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 the and the quality of the people who live in town, you know, and you know, black, white, or whatever, you know, they're just outstanding people. And Adam Dixon is, you know just wonderful yeah. person and adam was one was town administrator and talking about doing trying to do something with the mckinney center and and we talked very often about um well you know it was booker t washington school and still owned by the school system and um, kelly wolf was was mayor at the time and was really instrumental in helping work out a deal to get that building from from uh, the school system, but Adam and I talk, you know, over and over again about the way that that the McKinney Center ought to operate. That that you know, here's this building that was used to segregate, um, you know, people in the community, and you know, and and it was more than just an art center, but to use use the activities and the the uh, mission of of that center to to be able to to spread out and bring and do things within the community that brought people together that united people. Um, 
And I think, you know, I, th I think we still have, we obviously always have work to do, but, uh, you know, I'm proud of, um, you know, what the staff um, ha has done there. And we were very fortunate after um, I Am Home was, was um, we the first run, we ended up with two runs that year. And, and Jules Courier was, was the script writer working for, for um, yeah, for, for the um, well, what was it? A community Performance International. Yeah, you, know, you have to remember I'm an old guy, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know she she sort of really connected with us, and we really connected with her. And very fortunate, extremely talented woman, and very fortunate to have her. Um, you know, as part of the Jonesboro staff and, and, uh, and that effort of collecting stories is, is, um, and, and bringing, using those stories to bring people together. I mean, the, the cast of that, of that, of that um, show, I Am Home was so, I mean, it was like an extended family and, yeah, um, and it was really interesting after we did the second run of that show uh, which one was in may and the other one was in like um late october and we we had to pick the times where where the the, the temperature would be okay because it wasn't yeah. wasn't any <laughs> heat or anything in the building and uh and uh, which was interesting but um that's before we went through and did the renovation on it but but that whole program was the impetus for for realizing the importance of what could happen. And the, the, the cast didn't want to, to quit. They didn't want um, to, to not keep some kind of con connection. And we talk about Paul Braxton, you know, when I see him, I want to hug him. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great guy. Yeah. And they just didn't want, you know, we just didn't want to quit. So they ended up having covered dish dinners for, you know, every month for, you know, a good while to, and trying to figure out what they could do to, to stay connected. And, and, and Jules came up with the, the, the radio, uh, the show. radio show. Yeah. Still which, happening. Yeah. Which is still happening. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to me. Um, we've learned so much in, in, in terms of, you know, the, of trying to be intentional trying to to figure out ways and that the kinds of things that we can do that actually, you know, it gets beyond talk. You, you know, what do you what what can you do on a day-to-day -day basis um, that help bring people together? How do you get people engaged? And it's uh, it's always a challenge. And uh, there's always improvements to, um, to be made, but you know, over a period of time you you know, it tends to, to grow and it, and it, the the participation the diversity of activities in town tends to grow and, uh, and uh, so you know I think that we have a lot of, to be proud of in Jonesboro. I, I, uh, well I was going to ask Michelle a question in response to you saying we've had a person of color on the BMA for almost 46 yeah. years like what, how does that feel to you? Not so, to lead your answer, but like. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at Johnson City, where I'm from, and we have way more Black folks than you guys. And how in the world do we not have that many Black folks participating 
in you know our our elected offices like i don't understand and and it's i think that's pretty amazing like that needs to be recognized it really does um well and it's you know it's it's the people of Jonesboro. it wouldn't happen if they didn't mm-hmm. care yeah. right right and yeah. and like i said and it's also the quality of of the people, you know, because I mean, there's just you know, doesn't matter what color you are, you know, if you're if you love the town and you know, and and you want to be part of something good, and you know, it's it's it's. Um, I'm just really proud. When I came in town, one of the and when my wife and I got married, and and you know, I asked Janet, um, you know, where do you want to live? Because the time I was in the public administration program at ETSU and and you know we got married and we could have gone anywhere and and uh you know there's some little discussion about colorado or somewhere like that and she and she's from limestone and she said i've always wanted to, wanted to live in jonesboro and i had been I, I had a farm in in green county for a while and we'd come up and eat at the parsons table that was restaurant that jimmy neal ran and it was absolutely wonderful parsons table with browns is a great place and i thought well i'll you know i i always really like coming to jonesboro and all that so we moved and my goal was to be um town administrator in jonesboro and i had i had been involved in child advocacy programs working with mostly served adolescents i worked for the department of uh, mental health in tennessee and then a project uh, child advocacy project over in north carolina and and I learned in, in some of that process about how you affect change and the importance of being able to be in a position to affect change on a, a local level. You know, that I decided that my sort of bailiwick was was trying to 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 make things better in the place that I lived. And we wanted to live in Jonesboro. So I was in the city management program and. And ended up, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of a funny story. I won't necessarily go into how I ended up working for the town of Jonesboro, <laughs> but, but, uh, well, I'll just, I'll say it this way: the the person who the the professor who ran that program uh, knew that I wanted to work in Jonesboro, and and he told me that there was a um, that he had heard they were looking for to, to create a town administrator position in, in Jonesboro, and I went in. And went into the old town hall and, you know, they didn't know anything about it. And, you know, you need to go talk to the mayor. And I talked to the to the female mayor at that time, went up to, to her house and the, I'll cut it short. But I talked on her front porch for two hours, most of the time, which she was talking about her her low life husband. But uh, <laughs> that's the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next episode. And so, yeah, I ended up, you know, they, they weren't there. She didn't know really, but she, but they ended up with a community development position that they had just gotten a grant for. And so I ended up applying for that. And, and, uh, I ended up going to the board of mayor and alderman and, and they put, and they put me in on a three to two vote. And Jimmy Neal was, was, was uh, alderman at that time, along with Sam May. And, and they, they both voted against me because they were politically opposite of, of the mayor at that time. And, um, 
and Jimmy Neal's one of my best friends, but, <laughs> but I, I get him all the time about voting against me. But um, so anyway, I ended up, um, they did hire the, the in Jimmy Neal's administration. They did create the position and they hired um, somebody who, who ultimately became um, city manager of the, of the year in the, in the Tennessee association when he was working in Morristown, but uh, it just didn't fit uh, in that first time. So I, they put me in as an interim. And so, but what was funny about the whole thing was that the guy who was running the program at, uh, at ETSU came back a month after I had already gone through this process and stuff and said, oh, by the way, I made a mistake. It was Mossheim that was looking for oh <laughs> poor town gosh. administrator, not Jonesboro. Oh <laughs> so, so, you know, it's hard for me to believe that the, the universe wasn't yeah. working in my in, in my yeah. favor. It may not on the may not have worked in Jonesboro's favor, but it certainly worked in mine because, you know, I have That's loved be, being here and being a part of uh, hopefully some really good things that have happened. That's great. Uh, What's been your experience with Jonesboro? You were, um, before we started recording, telling us that when you were a student at okay. ETSU, mm -hmm. you came to the Storytelling Festival. Right, right. I uh, started ETSU in 78, and my roommate in 79 uh, was a English major, and she worked with Flora Joy, and who was part of the Storytelling Program at ETSU. Mm -hmm. And they offered up for the students extra credit or something if you go work the uh, the the storytelling festival. And so we were roommates. And she's like, "You want to go?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So I just tagged along, and it was amazing. It was just amazing. And that was back when you didn't have to have a swatch or anything. You just come on in, and there was a tent, and you could sit under it or sit beside it. Or I don't even know if they had tents. A lot of times it was sitting on haste bells of hay. And then I loved it. And so every year, that was my sophomore year. And we went until we graduated. Uh, part of it was the class. And then we just would come down just because. Um, and then I graduated, went back to Morristown for about a year. And I came back to Johnson City and started working at ETSU and continued to, to uh, show up on that, that weekend. And then in nine, I mean, and I, I came religiously. In 91, I started teaching. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm retired now, so I can say this. But when storytelling came around, I would call in sick on that Friday <laughs> <laughs> or I would take the day off. But that Friday, Saturday and Sunday became like I called it my fall vacation. Yeah. And I would I would, would show up every year and, and just slowly watch it go from just show up, sit down. You know, you know, it was free. You didn't have to pay. Ghost stories I loved were so very scary. I mean, like I would get in my, I would come by myself and I would get in my car. Like I'm looking all around my car. Is there anybody in the back seat? I got to get back home. And, and, and then they slowly had to calm them down because my kids were really afraid. And I'm like, <laughs> well, it is storytelling ghost stories. What do you think? But, uh, I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I watched, I remember when, um, was it Persimmons grocery? Is that the name of the story? No, the story. Uh, the general one story. downtown. It was Lavenders. Lavenders. Yeah. It's Lavenders. I remember when that closed and they started building the new center, oh. and I rebelled. <laughs> I was like, "What? 
No. And I, I, that might've been that first year. That might've been the year that I said, okay, I'm not going because you can't close that general store. Aww. So then, you know, <laughs> then it, it built it. And I remember when they first started uh, charging for ghost stories, I again rebelled. <laughs> That's awful. I rebel. But I have friends that live on one of those side roads and, and I, you know, they're not like the best bus. I didn't visit them all the time, but I knew them. And I said, can I park in your driveway? <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, come on. So I would walk down and just get in free. Cause I'm like, I'm not paying. And then of course I'm like, all right, Michelle, start paying. But, <laughs> but I loved it. And, and wonderful for me, I had the opportunity to be on the storytelling board uh, for uh, two terms, which was amazing. I remember uh, Kieran, I met Kieran has the same name as my son. My son's name is Kieran. Okay. And I saw him out and I'm like, I got to meet this guy because how many people have that name? And then uh, later on, I he saw me somewhere and he's like, hey, I'd like to, you know, talk to you about maybe being on our board. And I, in my head's going, you guys have a board for the storytelling festival? Like, <laughs> it's a weekend thing. What do you need a board? What are you talking about? You got to make some phone calls make some arrangements, get some people in town for the weekend and you're done. And he took me into that building and I was shocked at all the things that, that ISC is involved in worldwide. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Really? It, I, I don't Karen's think he's done a good job. He's, he, he's, you know, he's done a really great job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think the world, I don't think Jonesboro and Johnson city, Washington County know the, how incredibly extreme ISC is when it comes to to reaching out to the world. Yeah, to the, the world. The, the, rep, I mean the, the world. reputation is is pretty unbelievable. And Jimmy, you know they, you know they have a section of all the donated films and stuff like that because they wow. they started collecting, uh, you know, doing the filming the festival very early in the in, and uh, and and so they have a section in the Library of Congress that's yes. you know just of of storytelling related materials that have come directly from from Jonesboro. It's amazing. And it it is, is amazing. it's really it really is amazing. And Jimmy did a really Jimmy Neal did a really great job in 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 the outreach of the program. At the same time, paying attention to um, you know the impact of storytelling in general on on Jonesboro mm-hmm. because it's it started with his his intent to do something that would bring people to town because the town in the the early seventies was was dying. Even when I came in town and 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 I, I was in the area in seventy seven when I was in school. But, um, you know, there were a lot of vacant shops and things like that. And and even Lavender's, which was, you know, had which originally was a a grocery had to had to change. You know, Mm -hmm. you had you had grocery stores there, even though they weren't food city chains, you know, like a food city or or Ingalls, but uh, had Yance's Grocery, which is a. you know, uh, in a big box kind of setting and things like that. And people shopped other places. And so um, David had to had to shift towards a more tourism economy. And, you know, that was a, a struggle for a lot, a lot of the shops. And uh, and I can remember going downtown with Jimmy, we would, you know, look, you know, we go, you know, sort of walk the streets in the, in the afternoon or something like that, you know, and you might see five cars downtown or on the weekend, 
you know, seven or eight cars, you know, might be downtown and stuff. And so, you know, we, we started doing programs that there was a lot of the programs that we do now, like uh, Halloween haunts and happenings, which is happening very soon. We started that in 1979. Kitty Frazier was the first rec- full-time recreation director. Actually, I was supposed to be charging. I had, I went from the community development program to, to doing art, art, um, an art center kind of thing. And, and, uh, um, we did, um, we had a rec, we had a recreation, we started a recreation program, but we, you know, it was, it was, we didn't have the staff. And so Kitty was the first person that we hired that she had just graduated from ETSU and, uh, um, and we got her on a CETA grant, um, uh, and paid her $7,500, I think, but, wow. um, and she's been, she's been the rec director of Kingsport. She left us and went to Kingsport and has been there for over 30 years as, as a great person and a great director. But we started the Halloween Haunts and Happenings, the Easter Extravaganza, Christmas in Old Jonesboro and things like that, you know, back then. And our philosophy about it was we're going to do we're going to do programming that um, is, you know, that that is going to be supported by people in the local community, you know, we're, we're going to do it for the local community, but we need to do it with enough flair that it, it would be interesting for, for somebody to come in town and participate in. And uh, the other thing was, is that, you know, we, we worked on with music on the square and programs like that. You know, we looked at that as a, a way, because that is, was a really good program going back to music because you had, you know, it didn't matter what your what your income level was or something. It was free. You know, right. you just you just right. came. If you want to give a donation, you can. And you know, but but we did mariachi nights and other things like that with the with the intent of trying to do something. You know, that brought in um, you know the whole the whole community that you know that that would attract uh, the minority aspect of it. And that's that's. Um, you know, that's an ongoing thing that, you know, you, you have to, as far as I'm concerned, you have to be intentional. You have yeah. to, you have to do the kinds of things that, that bring people together. And it's, and it's really harder um, as things go along because, you know, it's social media and you, you have iPhones and iPads and, and, you know, what you want is to, is to have people having these kind of conversations that it's yeah. human to human. And, you know, you that's how you get to know people. That's how you develop friendships and understanding and things like that, you know. And so, um, you know, we we did a lot of this. You know, we started a lot of this stuff just to get bring people together, to, to you know, to be able to talk to each other and have a good time together and things like that. And, um, you know, when you if you look at, uh, you know, before COVID hit, if you looked at the list of things Jonesboro was doing, it was, you know, pretty, you know, obviously, Sky, you've, you've been part of that. You know, we worked people to death doing these great acti- activities, you know, it's, and, uh, you know, I'm so, you know, we have such a wonderful staff and uh, in town and, and. Um, Do you think a lot of folks in, in Washington County and Jonesboro participate in these things as much as say outside folks that come in on, a, on a normal basis. Yes. And on, on things like storytelling, 
um, you have so many people that volunteer. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where it, the storytelling has always been one of the the best weekends um, financially mm-hmm. for for shop owners and stuff like that. So you have a lot of people paying attention to what it takes to 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 have ten or twelve thousand people in town, yeah. um, and just just the logistics of of, of that. Um, so there's a lot of locals that are engaged in it, and and um, you know, but obviously I would say, you know, the majority of the people in storytelling are, have come from right. someplace right. else. And, that, that, and I want to make another comment about that when you talk about, you know, your reaction to storytelling. When 9-11 hit, um, you know, we just thought, you know, that was, you know, going in September. And, you, and you know, they didn't start flying until a couple of weeks after that, you know, and we thought we were going to be annihilated with the storytelling festival. You know, it was, you know, the second of October or something like that. And people came in from all over the place and, and we were going like, they drove from Alaska. <laughs> they drove from California. Wow. That's amazing. And, and, uh, you know, we started talking to people, you know, they, you know, we said, well, how did you get here? Well, I drove, I drove from Utah and, uh, and they, and consistently they said the world, um, the world has gone crazy. Um, you know, we have been under such stress and we knew if we came to Jonesboro, it would be time out that, you know, oh, wow. that, um, that Jonesboro wouldn't change. And, uh, and we worked, we worked pretty hard. We had, uh, we had state, state troopers and deputies in the courthouse, um, you know, and, and we are, you know, we had people at every tent that looked at bags and everything else. Cause I mean, it was, you know, pretty well-known festival and, uh, you know, we, you know, we didn't know what to expect, you know, and, and but we hit everybody <laughs> so that, because yeah. we felt like, you know, the last thing we need to do is to, you know, have, you know, yes, police yes. officers, you know, oh, yeah. scanning everybody and all this kind of stuff. But uh, um, but it was interesting how people felt about coming here. And, uh, and I, you know, I think that's one of the things that is fairly consistent in, in, in the way that people respond to the town because people are so friendly and and it's the people of Jonesboro that, that yeah. make it special, I think. Selfishly, I'm cool. curious. You talked about how you got involved with storytelling, but I'd love to hear your side of uh, getting involved with the McKinney Center. Oh, my goodness. So uh, um, my sons play, uh, at the time, played Suzuki flute with uh, Rebecca Paluzzi at ETSU. And Heidi was one of the, I think, the dance kind of movement instructors for Suzuki. And one day uh, she wanted me, I played African drum. So she said, and my sons are playing. So she said, hey, would you come in and do some African drum while I do some movement exercises with kids? Sure. So I spent, you know, I don't know, several times that week going in and doing some drumming with, with her and the kids were doing their movement classes. And then she said, hey, would you like, you know, be on the McKinney advisory board, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
who are you guys? I don't know. <laughs> what is that? I only go to Jonesboro for storytelling. I've never heard of that. But so that's how I found out about you guys. And uh, I don't even remember the year of that. It had to be maybe, oh my goodness, 2004, 14, maybe 2015, 16, I guess. You were on the board before I started working there. And that was like 2017. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. And so, uh, and I will tell people forever, just like you, McKinney Center, I do, do believe, is doing more for this community uh, when it comes to cultural activities and, and uniting all kinds of folks together, uh, regardless of how much money you got, uh, what's your race, what's your re- religion, your culture, whatever. McKinney Center is doing an incredible job doing that. And, and I, I mean, I will be on this board as long as they'll let me be on it. I don't know about those term limits, but, but I, I love being involved in, in the McKinney Center and the things that they do. It's, it's just amazing. And I'm on a lot of committees that have the potential to, to do similar things. And, and I, I, I want them to step up. I think they need to watch McKinney Center and step up because there's lots, there's lots of wonderful things that things that can happen in this community. And McKinney, you guys are doing a great job. I mean, the sky's amazing. Yeah, it's just it, amazing. Yeah, we're very fortunate to have it's just a, a, a great it's not a large staff up there, but they do a great job. And uh, we've just been very fortunate about that. And um it's um I have I have to tell you you know, going back to the the use of the arts to to not only bring people together, but um, the impact. One of the things I've learned, I grew up doing sports and, you know, I would, I would never, I was always too intimidated um, to, uh, you know, to be in any kind of performance or anything. Although I was, I was in band, you know, I'm in an orchestra and I went in to Nashville as a music major and I, <laughs> I got out of that pretty quickly because because um, I was a percussionist, but um, you know, if you were in, if you were in the in the uh, music program, you had to play in the Vanderbilt marching band. <laughs> and I, and uh, I grew up at, uh, in, in high school. The, the band leader asked us if we wanted to be a marching band or or not a concert band, and we had no interest in marching. <laughs> so, so so we sat in the stands and played. We were really good, but we didn't march. <laughs> so so I had no interest, even as a percussionist, because it was you know you practiced every afternoon, and that's when all all the good time, just, you know, the good fun stuff was going on. I had no interest in doing that, but but. Um, um, I was trying to I have to think about where, where I went on this story. Like I said, music I'm a, uniting. Oh yeah. And I, and, and, uh, uh, so anyway, and, in, in the, in the repertory theater, um, I always wanted to be a backup singer. That was the other thing, you know, and, uh, yeah, I wanted to be a white backup singer in a black group. <laughs> 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 Great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so they uh the jrt was doing smoky joe's cafe which you know the original cast for that was just you know four uh, black guys and 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 four black women but in, at the jrt it was a mixed mixed cast and and um 
and I, and I just said, you know, it was stuff, it was the coasters and, and, you know, a lot of the songs in there were just songs that I grew up in and sang all the time, you know? So, so, um, little Egypt and poison Ivy and all that stuff and the coasters. And so I, you know, I'm okay. I'm, I'm going to join this. And I got hooked on, on singing and that kind of stuff. But, but, um, I learned in that process, especially we started a kids program, which is going great now. And it's really a strong program. Anybody that's got that wants to have their kid be in performance and all that, the JRT program is awesome. And, but you could see kids change, you, you know, the, the, you know, being in like, especially like musical theater and stuff like that, you know, and, and kids that were involved in that, you could, you can see them change. And I am home. You could see kids change. And, and, uh, Donna Gillespie, her, uh, Ron I, Keel. yeah, Ron Keel. He, and, and, uh, he turned 21 yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he, he was a kid in there and, and just blossom. And he's done a number of, of different things. You know, he's grown scholar and this kind of stuff, just, you know, an awesome kid. And he may have been anyway, but I'll tell you, you could see the confidence that he's built and Stephanie Murray's kid, um, AJ. AJ, and he was five years old and, uh, you know, he was kind of, you know, he, he was participating yeah. and he's kind of, he'd sing and all this kind of stuff. But by the time, time we did some of the last shows he was belting it out and they, and they ended up i think jules um they ended up letting him sing solos and you know a solo of this song and and he belted it out and, and during intermission time he would take he would go into the stands and ask people if they wanted him to sign oh their their program that's great <laughs> i mean it was you know you that's could just great. you could yeah. just you could just see the change and and the ability you know the self-confidence and stuff like that and and and, and that kind of performance brings people together you're like an extended family and even mm-hmm. adults i've been in shows where it's over and people cry you oh, know yeah. because it's because done. it's over you know and it's like this you you have to work so hard and have to work so hard together and it just brings people in and um and uh we knew that i am home that doing that community play was going to was going to be impactful in Jonesboro and but and and Jules had indicated that we were one of the first communities that act, that wanted it wanted to do that play as community building and relationship building normally they would go in and talk about it being a an economic driver you know to but but their goals were to bring people together with the community you know Jules and Richard gear and the people who who ran that program and they had their own goals in terms of what they wanted to achieve but we wanted to achieve the same thing and i think that's one of the reasons that hopefully that jules got connected to us is because we were looking to try to to do the same thing but it had a much bigger impact than i than i could have imagined um it was wonderful and uh and we're still the stories. doing a community play yeah, I know. every yeah. year. And, and I don't yeah. think people understand how wonderful that is and, and how the, the stories that are collected on a local level um, 
you know, just how, how wonderful the stories are, how wonderful the people are. And, um, you know, it, 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 you know, it has good audiences. It deserves, you know, more, but, um, it's, it's another thing that we, we, we try to do to, yeah. you know, to bring people together and, and use the McKinney center and the staff as a way to, to you well, know, and I would say Michelle has helped us develop this program conversations that matter. And that's our purpose as well. It's to hear each other's stories right. because of that same theory behind like, once you hear someone else's story telling you to your face, this is me, this is what's happened to me. It makes it personalizes it. It's yeah. a powerful thing. I think when we started that, that was our, our key. Um, started conversations the matter because, you know, there was it was a that crazy summer of 2020 and the, you know, the death of George Floyd. And and right, I think yeah. people were were at a had the opportunity to see for yourself what was going on. Right. And then there were folks who were like, Well, you know, we don't have that here. We don't have that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it is here. It is here. Maybe not be at that extreme, but it, it's it's enough to to have get you those feels. And uh, I I agree. I think having the opportunity to not only share your story, but to be able to respond back and share and find that common ground. Like like I'm just sitting. Honestly, this is the first time Bob and I have actually formally met. We've seen yeah. each other. Yeah. When you said the Chitlin Circuit. <laughs> Ask the people out there, how many raise their hand if they know about the Chitlin Circuit? Watch this, Bob. <laughs> because I'm like, Bob knows the Chitlin Circuit. I have to admit that I've heard that, but I don't know what it means. Okay. So, so and and I bet you, Bob, just guessing and get me teary here. Um, Wayne Winkler, ETSU, has mm-hmm. a, a show Friday night or Saturday night called. Uh, so something soul kitchen yeah. do you listen to that some <laughs> I, you know i know i know Those... that he does it and uh, and wayne winkler's you know been a you know he's instrumental in yeah. in having the the radio show in storytown show you know he was instrumental in that he's a great guy amazing and, uh, show you have yeah. to start listening to it it is the chitlin yeah. circuit yeah and he plays the same kind of songs that you grew up listening to i listened to as a kid my mom uh, on vinyl, I can see the stereo sitting over there now. That big box, and they open it up. And it's, you know, it's all there. But there, we have so many things in common from from listening to that same kind of music. You played in the band. I played in the band. You're a drummer. I'm a drummer. Uh, I did sports. You did sports. I mean, there's there's things that I would never have known that. Never no, ever. It, you know, it, and it's just getting people to to talk to each to other, talk. and it's and you know when you see what's going on outside and you know nationally and all that it just it makes it harder because you have this effort that's you know a concerted effort to 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 to, you, to tear people apart yes you know to, to have to form sides and stuff like that you know and so it's you know i've always felt like you know okay you know i may not be able to you know i have a vote which is really important but you know, sometimes that vote doesn't change anything, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, you know, what, do, what can you do on the, what can you do on the local level? What, what do you right. do, you know, to try to, to, to bring people together? Right. And, uh, and I think you, 
again, you have to be intentional. You have to work at it and you have to have, and it's something that, that if you continue to do over a period of time, um, that you, you can affect positive change mm-hmm. and you can, you can have people who have trust in local government for, for thing, uh, you know, for one thing uh, that feel that, that, you know, that where people feel like, you know, they're working for me and, uh, and that people care, right. You know, right. cause you know, it's, it's not about caring about one group or another group, but just caring, you know, about right. everybody. It's a lot of harder I think to, you know, to make inroads in the Hispanic community and for obvious reasons, I mean, you know, they, you know, mm-hmm. there's you know, a, I think, I think people are, are pushed or pulled by, by two things. It's either love or fear. Yeah. And I think fear is one of those things that causes people to, to pull into themselves, you know, um, I I would love to be more engaged with our Hispanic community. I would love to. We have an incredible African community. I'd love to be more engaged with those those communities. Um, But I do think with with the Hispanic community, there's an element of fear. If I say something to you, I don't know who you're going to report me to because I may not have all the, the documents you're expecting from me or whatever the case be. And and it's sad that that's a fear factor that is, is controlling a lot. Yeah, of there's no question is. about that. And I, there's a little story about, because I am, I am home is, is came from that name of the show came from um, the vignette that um, Jules had a, a little story circle with, with a Hispanic group. Mm-hmm. And um, Alma, I can't remember what her last name was, but um she made a comment to, to Jules that that uh, if I remember this correctly, um, and Jules will slap me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but um, that that they probably would not have done the story circle if it hadn't been Jonesburg. Mm. And uh, the reason is the story of the I Am Home story was that um, she came in and and said they were going to, you know, they wanted to have, this is back when George Bush was, was um, president. And there's another thing about immigration and issues related to that. And, and they wanted to have a a March uh, or just a, you know, something that happened in Jonesboro that, um, you know, supported, you know, the Hispanic community and this kind of thing. And so she came and talked to me and I said, well, you know, you don't, you know, how many people are you talking about? And she said, well, you know, maybe 75 or a hundred or something like that, you know? And I said, well, you know, if you stay on the sidewalk, you know, if we don't have to close the street or something like that, um, you know, you have a right, you know, to march, you don't have to have a permit, but, you need to, you can't block people, you know, you need to be able to do it in such a way that people can get by it. You're not blocking the sidewalk and that kind of thing. And she came back a little later and said, well, you know, there may be 200 people. And I said, well, just, you know, you know, again, that's, you know, not probably enough to close the street or anything like that, you know, which would, we had a process to go through the border mayor and all. Well, the day, the day of the March, um, I was in my office downstairs at town hall and I heard this noise going on outside and, and I opened the 
blinds and looked out the window and Boone Street in front of town hall was full of all these people. And, and the line, you know, and I looked this way and looked that way. And, and there's this line. There must've been 2000 people. (laughs) So we, you know, we hustled the police department down in down, you know, to get, Uh you know, to try to get in front of them and, you know, to make it safe for them to get through town and this kind of thing. And when they were going, going through downtown, um, you know, part of the story is that people were cheering for him. And uh, there were a couple women, you know, who yelled tomato pickers, go home and this kind of stuff. And Alma, you know, said to herself, you know, you know, and she looked at the people who were on the just on the sidewalk, you know, there wasn't any advertisement for anything. There just happened to be, and then people were cheering for him as, as they went by. And she said, I am home. You know, this is my home. And, uh, you know, that that story was was uh, pretty powerful to me, you know, in terms. And she said, you know, it was because of, of that kind of thing, the response of people in yeah. Jonesboro, that, that they were willing to talk about it and talk about some of their experiences and stuff like that. And so, yeah. but yeah. it is, you know, there's, there has to be ways in which we can do a better job of, of connecting and developing the, the trust and all that, because they're, you know, people are just wonderful in general. Right. You know. Johnson uh, city in um, at Langston, I think it was last month. The there was a Hispanic, yeah. Hispanic culture uh, event and, you know, I go and I'm trying to support stuff and I walk into the the, the, the the grand room at Langston and there were so many amazing, beautiful Hispanic folks. Like I, I just stopped and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Food, music, dance. Just it was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Which we, you know, we we used music. I think I mentioned this mariachi night, but we also community. I don't know if you were there around here for then, but but it was downtown, and and uh, um, we worked with um, um, with amigos with with um, what's you, Mister Peck up there, who who ran it, the managed it, and, and brought a group out of Asheville who were who were really good and but we communicated with there was a a dance group a hispanic dance group in kingsport and there was a another one some another one somewhere else and and they came in and and uh it was absolutely a wonderful um, this is another night i cried <laughs> uh, that's another thing we have in common <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was just standing out there and and the the girls in that in that dance group, you know, they had on these wonderful yeah. Mexican, you know, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful outfits, beautiful outfits, and they would go out and and grab people in yes. the audience and dance, and people were having the best time. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I just flowed. <laughs> I said, I said, you know, this this is what the kind of stuff that we we yeah. need to be doing, and you know, people need this kind of interaction and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, always, you can always do better and it, there's always things that, you know, and you just need to keep having these conversations and talking about, yeah. not only talking about it, but actually, you know, how, how does that end up in an action plan? What, what do you do differently? You know, right. what do we do to, to, to increase the minority employment in town and things like right, that? Right, right. You know, 
what how do you how do you make that happen? Yeah. I know a lot of the festivals, like Emoja, this this Hispanic festival that was at Langston. I walk into these spaces and and I always wonder, like like Emoja is a great great uh, African American yeah. festival, and I always think, but this festival is not like a black people only festival. Right. Like everybody yeah. else, you please come down because yeah. we want to share our culture with you. Mm-hmm. That's the way it needs to it be. It should, but I think there there's an element of some folks are like scared to go. Uh, I don't know anybody there. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what that is, but I wish that, you know, I would love to see a mix of everybody attending these cultural festivals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hate to stop y'all, but it is 8.07. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I wanted to ask, just to conclude, can you think of maybe a question you would ask each other? Like, do you have something you would like to ask one another before we leave? You know, I thought of a question coming down. If you had to, and you've probably answered this throughout, if you had to describe Jonesboro to someone from... I don't know. Um, Iceland. Iceland. <laughs> there you go. How would you describe Jones Brill to them? I do have a I do have a consistent response to that. <laughs> that's good. I just tell them it's the capital of the world. Oh, oh wow. that's sweet. That is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Yeah, we can leave it at that. I think we have to. <laughs> that was sweet. I think we have to leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, I don't have a call to action in mind. Do you know of anything that's coming up? Oh, my goodness. I know. Um, sorry to put you on the spot. No, you're fine. Halloween, for sure. Well, yeah. Um, I, I can't think of of anything right the off the top of my NAACP head. NAACP has, a, has their uh, fundraiser banquet coming up November. Uh, I do believe it's the 18th. I and think you that's can a come Friday. see the play Nancy. Uh, the guest performer is going to be the, I cannot think Uba of her name. Nibi. That'll work. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and she will do, will be doing Nancy. Uh, you can see me for tickets. Tickets are $45 donation. Uh, and it is going to be held at Muncie Memorial United Methodist Church. Uh, and that is at, I do believe, six o'clock that evening. Okay. If you go to uh, NAACP Facebook and web page, it should be there. Okay. It should be there. It's well, and we hope to have um, Buttons back maybe yeah. next he's week. A, he's, a, he's a great guy. Yeah. And, you know, the whole McKinney family has just been, you know, such, have such a wonderful impact on town. And and Do I can't you know tell you. He got, um most outstanding volunteer because he is one of our best volunteers at the McKinney really? Center. Well, he's a he's a, a great guy, and and um, Kevin was in um, his brother, you know, who was uh, on the board for twelve years in a, in a row and mayor for nine. I and mean, Kevin was great and one of my best friends, and and uh, he was in uh, because of um, Gene Berenger's mm. funeral, which is sad, but, um, it was great. You know, we always get together and, you know, have a couple of drinks and, and, uh, and, you know, that should be our next conversation. <laughs> he doesn't live here. No, he's in St. Louis. Oh, wow. We're going to have to get yeah. him yeah, back we're gonna in have town. To and have Kevin is, Kevin is, is awesome. And, uh, <laughs> 
there's some funny stories. Uh-huh. I just can't tell you how many wonderful stories we've we've had, and and there's no question in my mind that God has to love Jonesboro because too many things have happened that that uh, have just been sort of un, unbelievable. And, Are you writing a book? You know, somebody's mentioned it, but I, you know, I don't. Um, you know, I write a lot, but I don't know whether I would be a good writer or something like that. And I, just, I haven't had the time for one thing. And uh, somebody should just follow you around, yeah, for just and like write stuff. It down. is, it <laughs> is, it is. You know, Jimmy Neal and what he went through with the opposition that he had back then. Um, there's some, there's some really funny and also. Um, um, interesting stories of, of what had to be overcome and all that. Uh, you know, I know you're trying to close this down. I, I, I have to, I have to tell you one. We we when we started building the, we had to plan to build the, the visitor center in a, in a new town hall, and and we had to the, buy what we called Duncan's Meadow, where where the you know the in the library, and we did a flood pre- pre- prevention program that was all tied into this and. And the opposition, because that 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 area flooded. We, there was there's some ball fields that were on there, believe it or not, and that they played the little league program on there, and it was just run by the little league association, not affiliated with the town. But every time it rained, that water would come in and flood, and we we flooded all the time downtown, and uh, so when we were going to the, what was the farmer's home administration for, and it, that was in 79, you know, the interest rates were like 15, 16%, you know, I think they're bad now, you know, they were way up there then. And, but we got 5% money from, from farmer's home administration, and, you know, to build uh, both uh, and actually just the town hall. And we had grant money to build the visitor center, but the opposition put out all these, you know, this is crazy. We can't afford to do this. The, the, the buildings are going to sink. You know, it's a it's a floodway and all this kind of stuff. And they put out these flyers and sent them to everybody in town. And and uh, the town, the population was much smaller back then. And uh, and so we, you know, we just put out a question and answer kind of pamphlet that went out to everybody in town and said, this is you know, it's like, what are people going to want to know? You know, and how, how, what kind, what kind of information do they need to have in order to feel good about this? And so we did a question and answer thing and sent it out to everybody. And then, and but the opposition had required, uh, had signed a petition so that we had to have a referendum. It had to go to a vote. And that's where I'm headed with all this. And uh, so, you know, we didn't know how that was going to come out because I mean, they sent out all kinds of different stuff mm-hmm. saying it was crazy and you know there was fiscally irresponsible and that everything was going to sink you know <laughs> and and at the and the visitor center site at that time was just piles of rubble that had hogweed about 14 foot you know and so it wasn't like you know you had a great spot <laughs> yep. to look at and say oh this is going to be cool um but when that vote came in we won by 75 percent of, of the vote <laughs> you know Wow. People of Jonesboro. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. It is. It really is. It really is. No, well, and on that. People of Jonesboro. <laughs> capital of the world. Yeah. Well, uh, Bob, we'll have to have you back 
Of course. Yes. I like hearing these stories. Um, I don't know. Like, I know so many general things about the history of Jonesboro, but, like, you've lived a lot of it that I would like to hear more about. So, yeah. And Michelle, yeah. thanks for filling in real last minute on the other side tonight. Got it. And get those tickets for the NAACP so you can see um, some of the performance of Nancy, written by our own Heritage Alliance. Um, playwright and Mason and this will be on YouTube and in a podcast so share it around thank you for joining us tonight we'll see you next time next time I see you downtown I'm hugging you you got it you got it this has been great this has been great so we want to say a special thanks to you listeners out there we want to Say a uh, special thanks to Bob Browning. Uh, and thank you, Michelle. Oh, you <laughs> Just run him a map. <laughs> and if you want to listen to more of our uh, podcast, you can download Conversations That Matter, search CTM, the podcast, or go to McKinneyCenter.com under Programs, Conversations That Matter. Yeah, and that website will lead you to our art classes for children and adults. It'll tell you more about our um, live radio show we have every month and all the other programs that we're constantly offering. So um, definitely go check out McKinneyCenter.com. And thank you, Michelle and Brittany. Thank you, folks. Thanks, Thanks Sky. Sky. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <Had> to. <laughs>